do we equip our families with a biblical worldview? How do we prepare the next generation for life? How do I grow in my walk with the Lord and in my marriage? If you wrestle with these questions, you are in the right place to find answers. Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. I'm your host, Eric Rutherford, and I'm excited today because I have with me Reed Hermstad. He is founder and executive director of Four Gens, which is an international ministry focused on equipping and encouraging children to be disciples of Christ, also engages families to be disciples not only of their children, but also grandchildren and future generations. And uh, Reed's been, you know, spiritually coaching families for over 30 years, one-on-one, group, and virtual formats. So just a wealth of experience and knowledge. Two quick items before we get to our interview. First, if you go to our website at entrustingthefaith.com, scroll down to the bottom, sign up for our weekly emails so you know who is coming up on the podcast for the week and who you may have missed the previous week. Uh, You'll also get a free resource when you do, and you can find all our other podcasts on our website while you're there. Feel free to scroll through them, find other interviews uh, to really help you along the way. Uh, Second, this episode is just brought to you by my book, Leading While at Home, How Husbands and Fathers Can Biblically Lead Their Families. So if you've ever thought, man, I want to be a godly husband or father, I don't know where to start, or you've heard that you need to do something to equip your family, but you just don't know where to begin, well, if this is you or you know anybody you know, Leading Well at Home will show you how you can love Jesus Christ, love and serve your wife and children, and take responsibility for discipling your family. You'll be encouraged and given action steps that you can apply so that you're moving forward. Okay, now let's jump into today's episode. Reed, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Eric. It's great to be here. I appreciate oh. the invitation. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm glad you accepted and just so I definitely want to get to four gins today and what that is. But before we do, would you just share with the audience a little bit about you know your background and kind of what you know kind of what got you to four gins? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for uh, for asking. I uh, came to know Christ in a powerful way when I was twenty five, uh, and I actually soon after that ran in my first mentor as a guy named uh, Bob Glockner. He's a navigator. And he so poured into me and poured into my family and, and his wife all of a sudden took over and kind of, kind of started mentoring us. And, and then I had a whole string of them beyond that, Eric. And what I realized was that these people were investing in me so I could turn around and invest in others. And so I left my career when I was like 44, I was in high tech sales and marketing and whatnot. And I couldn't stand it anymore. Eric. I had to go do something with meaning. And so my wife's kind of like, yeah. And so, but I did that. And, you know, what, it, what ended up is we ended up with about a seven year in the desert experience trying to understand what the Lord wanted. But what he finally directed me towards was kind of looking back and then looking back and understanding where I came from and who I was, I could extrapolate that to move forward. And what he really showed me kind of, he went way back to John Hermstead, my great grandfather in Trondheim, Norway, how he came here, how he came to know Christ. Yeah, it was a powerful conversion. But then what he did with his family and then his children, his grandchildren. And then when I came along, he had been gone, been gone for a long time, but I know exactly who he is. I know exactly what he's done. And what's grieved my heart is that we, we're, we're losing a generation here and we've got to engage and to 
and to help them come to know Christ and to walk this life of faith and then pass it on to their generations as well. And that's where I'm at today. And that's what uh, what uh, the Lord has been directing over these years, over these decades, I guess. In doing oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's beautiful. And and so powerful because, yeah, it's it, it can't just stop with us. No. Right. Yeah. And so so then for what is four gen spelled and that's the number four and G-E-N-S for those who are who are yeah. listening. Is that correct? That's correct. And, and, you know, all it stands for is four generations. We will help you reach your fourth generation for Christ, whether you're around or not. We'll help you reach them. Oh, that's awesome. That and and I think it, especially in the U.S. Uh, or in the West, we we don't think that far ahead naturally or normally. I mean, we we barely get through this week, and so uh, I, I like that. So, what what problem really were you trying to solve? Was it that giving people a bigger vision, or what what was that? Yeah, kind of both. You know, the whole idea is we need to give a vision to these people to be able to pour into their families. And the problem that we're seeing here, especially in our society today, is that there's this abdication, if you will, of this spiritual training to the local church or, or maybe not even doing it at all. And, uh, and that happened back in the 50s. We saw a real switch where the church was starting to say, bring your kids in. You know, we'll take them out of the main service. We'll put them into these programs and we'll run with it. And by the way, I've worked for years in those programs. I mean, they're wonderful, but the responsibility is still at the parent. And so what our problem is that we saw is that the parents were letting go. The parents were moving away. By the way, the grandparents were really moving away, almost being taken out of the nuclear family and viewed as something else. And the shield up with the parents about not dealing spiritually with the children, big problem. And so we said, okay, we have to work in order to equip and enable parents, meaning grandparents, guardians, foster parents, whatever, Eric, to engage and take the responsibility for the spiritual welfare of these children, and then teach them through doing it with them, how to do it with their next generation and moving forward. Oh, that's, that's, that's really important because I can see that as well. Just that idea of outsourcing to the local church, everything. And, you know, it's like, Hey, they're, they're the professionals, right? Yeah. It's it's really funny, Eric, because, you know, when I worked in, I worked at Woodman Valley Chapel here in in Colorado Springs, wonderful church, but with the middle school program. And we see these parents, you know, for the most part, drop their kids off and go on a date. (laughs) Then they come back and they pick them up. But the, the parents that were engaged actually there with the kids were the ones where we saw the real spiritual fruit happening within the parent's life and the child's life and this and this generational move because they were engaged. The church was a tool of theirs to use with their child, not the other way around. It's true. And that's that's one of those things where if we can either serve with our children or they at yeah. least see us doing that and we yeah. have those overlaps, I think I think it does. It pays dividends. It, it's oh, yeah. and I think I think too we I think a lot of people miss out on that. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, whether it's it's like, oh no, I, I either can't or I I won't or sure. or I've paid my dues kind of yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah, it's really true. It's really true. Yeah. Especially grandparents, you know, they're down in Florida or, or Arizona or whatnot, and they're golfing and they're eating and becoming sleek and everything else, but they, you know, they're 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 kind of disengaged. And that grieves my heart because uh, the the grandparents are so loved and trusted by these children up to a certain age. Okay, we got a we got a time period here, but they need to engage there. 
and they need to, there's a wealth of experience and love and, and calmness and that sometimes the parents don't have just because they're <laughs> trying to do life. Right. No. And I agree with that. Cause I, you know, I remember, so my kids are basically 16, 15 and 11. And so they're, you know, they're at a, at a different stage than when, you know, the oldest was like seven. Right. Yep. And at that, at that young age, yeah, you're just trying to make it to bedtime. And so <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It is. You're just thinking, oh man, I just want everybody. <laughs> if I can get everybody safely to bed at night, it was a win. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, but yeah. yeah, that's a great time for those grandparents to be able to, yep. to build in uh, to those kids. Yeah. Hugely, hugely. <laughs> so, so what as, as in sort of in your mind and the way you, you look at it and what and written scripturally, you know, what do you think, what is family ministry and family discipleship and what should it look like? I agree. And so I've mentioned this earlier, but what it should look like is this is the parents, one of the main parents jobs in being a parent period mm -hmm. is to actually have the privilege of pointing to the child and guiding him to the savior where, where, where there's life. I, I was this morning, I was praying about our meeting and I was in Joshua one. I love Joshua, by the way, but it says here that, that you know, this is in verse nine, chapter one, verse nine, it says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged for the Lord of God is with you wherever you go. And then before it is, it, it says that, that um, in verse eight, study this book of instruction, continually meditate on it day and night, so be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And that's exactly what we want as parents. We want them to prosper and succeed in everything. And here in the book of Joshua, way back, we find out how to do that. But we need to be intentional. We need to be engaged. And we need to walk this light, walk this, this journey with them. And one thing, Eric, I want to talk about whenever you want to bring it up, but just giving them or having a vision as a parent where, okay, my child is seven, to use your example. Okay, what do we want to see within them spiritually at 10? What is it? Because if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to get there? And it's okay, back at seven, you're like, okay, so what are we going to need to do in order to accomplish that? And then you start praying about it and you start looking for things. And no, I love that. Let's let's talk about that a little bit more. So do okay. you have do you have like benchmarks, so to speak, of where you want people to be or where, you know, and, yeah. or not necessarily you, but where it would be good for sure. children to be, as, you know, so as people are listening to this, go, maybe they've never even thought of that before. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'd really yeah. like to, that makes so much sense. Would you, yeah, would you elaborate on that and kind of go into yeah. that a bit? Well, I would. And, and first, of all, I just want to preface the whole thing by saying the best way to do that is to ask them, okay, Say they're seven, what do you want to see at 10? What do you think, the where do you think they should be at 10 and 12 and 14? Those are our benchmarks that we use, really those three. Because I, and the parents, sometimes they go, I have no idea. <laughs> I have, I, I don't know. And so, and that's fine because you've asked, right? But some might have some stuff and it might be a little goofy or whatever, Eric, whatever. And just write it down. But then, you know, for example, I got, I got a couple of things here that we kind of look at is, is, you know, for example, with a 10 year old is, uh, you know, do they understand what really the term belief means? John 3, 16, you know, we're to believe that's a big word, right? Bestio, or if you will, in the Greek, it's a big word. And so, okay. At, at 10, the child can cognate on that. And maybe eight depends on the child, right? Depends on the child. 
So that might be one thing. Uh, 14, let's just, let's look at that one. You know, we have some things like, well, we know for sure they were, they're regenerate. They're born again. I mean, it's very strong. We, they, they know their testimony and they can give it. Fascinating. Also, there's a strong commitment to prayer. At 14, you've taught them to pray. And they realize the power of prayer. And they're actually uh, doing prayer. They know how to share their faith. You know, it's because we have this evangelism thing. But it's like we've never really been taught how to do it. And a parent is the, pers- for the absolute best person to say, well, here's a good question to ask people. Just say, hey, do you have any kind of faith? Just start there and get the, get the conversation going. But who teaches them that? And I would say to you, the parent does. And they, by the way, they've probably watched the parent do it as well. And so uh, a couple other benchmarks uh, is uh, the, you know, a, a 10-year-old, I think they should have a good handle on the layout of the Bible. Here's the Old Testament. Here's the New Testament. Here's some of the main stories. But then you move into the 10-year-old age, or maybe even to 12, I think they need to understand, okay, what is God's plan here? You know, going to Ephesians 1, everything comes together under Christ. And then who are we? Ephesians 1.13, well, we've received the spirit. We have this inheritance. I think they should really start cognating on those things, Eric. And I think that kids are more than smart enough nowadays to do that. I've had this thought in my mind where, you know, when I went sometimes into the middle school programs, I thought it was too light. This is Christianity light. We need to wrap up Christianity like a grenade and throw it at them and hoping some holy shrapnel will sink deep into their flesh. We need to, Eric. We need to be intentional and to really understand that they can handle way more because they're getting it at school with all this, all this garbage they're getting right now. And we need to act accordingly. Yeah, and, and I agree with that. And that's because we've, my wife and I, uh, we've been involved with sixth graders uh, for about <laughs> the last five years and at our church and, and teaching a class and working with them. And one of the things we do is, is we set the bar high on knowledge. Yeah. And we figure some of them are going to get it and some of them aren't, but that's right. okay. But they might get some of it. And may, but if we, if we at least give them a grid to work with or some rails to run on, yeah, they can step up to it. I don't, yeah, we don't want to sort of dumb it down to, no. to, or dilute it because it's too important. <laughs> really too important. And what we really want, thank you for doing that, by the way, that's wonderful. What we really want is we want this dialogue. We want this debate. You know, if they get a little hot under the collar and we're having this big conversation and it's getting a little tense, I love it. <laughs> we, we need to go there. You know, this, this, is, this is not easy stuff sometimes. And, 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 and let's not treat it that way. No, I agree. And, and I think, too, it's, it's those situations where making it safe to ask those questions, too. Yeah. Because it's not always safe. But if you can create that environment where somebody can, you know, you're talking about faith and you're talking about faith alone in Christ. And they're like, yeah, I, how do you get there? You know, it's, it's one of, I love it when they throw it out. Fabulous. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know, I had this group of, of seven to nine, you know, they were more eight and nine year ninth graders, excuse me. And we we're going to do a survey of the Bible for that year. And we, we, we started off in Genesis and we got right to the creation story and Eric, we never left. They were so interested in dialoguing on it. Here's what they're hearing in school. Here's what school's telling them. And they're throwing this out. And we're arm wrestling over these different issues. It was spectacular. And I think it was exactly the right time to do it because they were getting it in school. I love that. I love being able to go deep, to meet them where they're at, 
just that open dialogue. But then, you know, then that sort of, and this may be a two-parter because I want to ask about P elements sure. uh, that on, on that, you know, that the organization does. Sure. And at the same time, there's that, well, there's that question of, okay, if I'm a parent and I hear these, these benchmarks for, you know, 10 and 12 and 14 right. and what that looks like, but like, I don't even know how to get my kids <laughs> to that. So maybe yeah. the, maybe that's the same kind yeah. of answer. I don't know. So I'm going to throw both those out there and let you run with them. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny because in giving them a vision, you know, King James, what, Proverbs 29 and 18, people perish for a lack of vision, right? In giving them a vision, you have to also give them a way to get to the vision. Mm-hmm. I mean, that'd be, that'd be just uh, hurtful not to do that. So what we did was when uh, one of my spiritual mentors, Rick Drank, wonderful man, he took me, he had designed something called the Essentials for Spiritual Growth. And what it is, it's the foundation of faith. You know, this is 1 Corinthians, like 3, 10 to 14 stuff. And so they take apart in this course, they take apart all that whole belief system, intellectually, emotionally, choice, you know, all that kind of stuff, and then put it back together. Foundation is Christ with the child. And it's discovery learning. So they're not teaching the child. This is all questions and getting the child to come up with it themselves. There's a thing that we say here at 4Gens that if they discover for themselves, it'll be theirs. And they'll run with it like a football, the Super Bowl, Super Bowl, you know, they'll run with it because it's theirs, not because it's yours. And so, so we go through the foundation, then we build a framework of faith on top of that foundation, like, like your relationship with God. God loves you very much. And you have to have a proper perception of that. Uh, the Bible you know, veracity of it, all that kind of stuff. Forgiveness. Who's the Holy Spirit? How do you live this Christ-centered life, including prayer, for example, and, and repentance and all that kind of stuff? And so you you give the parents a vision, a guideline of, of a suggestion of where they should be, the child, at a certain age, and then give them that tool. Now, what we did, too, is, you know, I look at the kids, I'm like, okay, where are the kids? Well, we know that the 15 to 20-year-olds are spending 2,736 hours a year on their phones, more than full-time. So you could think, okay, 15 and under, probably still a lot of time on their phones. Highly graphic, highly videoized. And so that's what we did with P Elements. We actually, we actually built it. I took, I took Essentials, made it age-appropriate, and put it on an application. So that when then I say to the parents, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your phone where my phone went. I want you to take your phone. I want you to, when your kid comes out of the bathtub and they're smelling good and all that kind of stuff, sit on the bed with them before they go to bed. Cause they like to talk when they, before they go to bed and do it right here on the phone. And then if there's an essay question, you just hit the, the dictate button. They just dictate the answer. If there's multiple choice, if you watch the videos, the kids, there's gamma, that gamification, you'll game stuff on it to keep track. And they get little medals and all this kind of jazz. I know it sounds hokey, but the kids love it. And, uh, but it's in the, every, every lesson, sorry, I'm pointing at you. Every lesson is 23 minutes because the kids kind of check out after 23 minutes and, and that's the lesson. And so we go through this foundation framework and then what we, and so the, the, the parents can do that because there's virtual tutorials from me on every lesson. But what we really want them to do is to get on zoom, like you and I are doing with a group of people that are all doing it together. Because the first part of the meeting is, okay, let's debrief. How did it go? <laughs> and they go, well, my kid fell asleep. Or my kid, you know, we got off on this tangent. Or, you know, whatever. But then we table it, and it's the groups, right? They say, Reed, what, what should we do? And I'm like, well, what do you want it? What do you think you should do? 
I mean, let them figure it out, right? And by the way, I give them tips, don't get me wrong. And uh, But then we go through the lesson that they're going to do next week with the child, and then they go home and do it. And then they come back again. And so like in, we're talking about like a, like a middle school class, if you will, or Sunday school class at church. It's a great place to do that. It's a great place to do it. Uh, another option is we can do one-on-one with them if they want, like a Zoom call like you and I are doing here, and do the same procedure, basically, but more one-on-one. And some people like that. You know, maybe they don't have time to do a group. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, that's that's really cool that you, you've built the app. You've, you've really... I want to say almost translated it into their learning language or learning method instead of trying to force like paper text onto them. And when they may not, when that may not resonate with them. That's not their world. That's circa 1950 for crying out loud. That's not their world. Their world is this. And we need to go where they're at, not where we're at. I, yeah, I like that. Sorry, I pointed right at you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, that's no, funny. Um, that's funny. But but that's I I think that's where and I'm gonna because I'm 47. I'm I'm old. Um, yeah. and and so you're a pup, by the way. But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel that way. But you know, it's, it's one of those things. Okay. Um, but but it's it's one of those things where as we get older. You know, we want the younger generation to change to us. Yeah. But but what you were talking about is is absolutely true. We need to go where they are just, I mean, that's but I mean, that's what evangelism is. I mean, if we're going to the nations and we're going cross-culturally anyway, you know, if we're going to Asia and Africa, we're not Lord willing, not bringing our culture to them. We're trying to engage with them on their terms. That's exactly right. And this, you know, I think of Peter or uh, Jesus with calling Peter. How do you do it? Through fish. It was Peter was a fisherman. He, he Peter could understand fish, and I think these kids. We've got to just be careful because uh, that's their world, and let's go there. And if it looks different than ours, Eric, well, it's that's the way they do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know? Yeah, I just don't care. I don't think. No, I think it's just all about him and his word. Yeah, yeah. and his truth, and just and just building on that. Yeah, I agree. So let me ask, what makes it so important for older generations in our churches to connect with younger generations? Because, you you know, you talked about the four gens. So we've talked we've talked about sort of that nuclear family, parent to child. So let's let's go like a step beyond and we can either go grandparents or even I'll say grandparent age to those not their grandchildren or children, you know, even within that. What makes it so important for for people to do that? By the way, the question is a 10. It's really a good one. And my whole my whole take on this is that if you want to reach the child, you have to reach the parent. If you want to reach the parent, you have to reach the child. And to to assume that parents spiritually know all this stuff they understand the foundation framework of faith blah 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 i think would be a disservice and so if we want to disciple make disciples of a parent or grandparent or foster parent or whatever it may be this is a great way to do it because it's remember it's discovery learning the parent or grandparents not there teaching the child no they're learning right with them and they're like 
the child goes, well, what do you think? And grandparents like, I don't know. We better go find out. I, yeah, I'm, I don't know. You know, and we really make sure that to, with parents and grandparents is saying, I know sometimes is the, is, is words of love to the child because you're coming down to their level and you're doing this together. And so well, why is this so important? Because they both need it. That's the bottom line. They both need it. And, and then the grandparent, Lord willing, can go to another child and do it all over again. And you just got to remind them, remember, <laughs> it's does discovery learning. You're both learning it. And then the whole idea with parents and, and grandparents and doing this is more teaching them questions about how to, how to ask questions, how to draw it out of the child. Uh, and by the way, maybe sometimes that's both of them. Okay. And they need to go to somebody else or maybe chat on, on we got a little chat box on an elements and just ask, right? And we'll give them some tips. So. No, I like that. That learning together, together, really engaging together, and and both both parties are are like, okay, let's let's see what let's see what we can find out. I like that, and, and how it puts everybody sort of on equal footing. Yes, and you know what's really funny is I've 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 discipled a lot of different guys in my days, and then I've discipled many pastors. And who are the people that are most interested in doing it and doing it the right way? pastors you know they know all this stuff by the way like kevin harper kevin knows all this stuff but kevin will be the first one to to do it and enjoy it and talk about it and dig into it it's, it's the craziest thing and i you'd think that they they wouldn't do it but no it's just the opposite They're, they really like it oh that's awesome yeah so that's crazy. what what do you think keeps people who are part of an older generation mm-hmm. from mentoring or discipling people who are part of a younger generation so it could be it could be parents to children. It could just be boomers to Gen Xers. It could be, you know, widower, yeah. you know, whatever. What do you think keeps them from engaging yeah. one another? That's a big question. So the easy one first is sometimes they feel like they just don't know and they don't have anything to give. And that's where explaining to them elements and how to do it. And here's the process. And we'll walk through it with you is critical because then they start feeling like, oh, so I could do this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have something to offer. You really do. Um, the other one is a little bit more insidious. And that is, it, we're seeing a wall, if you will, with the parents and the grandparents, where maybe the one parent married a non-believer, for example, just as an example. And there is they don't want the grandparents interfacing on a spiritual basis with the children. Eric, we see it a lot. And it's like the parents want to, the grandparents, excuse me, want to engage, but they feel like they're being inhibited that, that the, their children, not the grandchildren, but their children don't want them to do it. And that's where if you have like a group of grandparents sitting around doing this together, I can guarantee you that will come up and that'll have to be tabled and they'll have to, or not tabled, but discussed, they'll have to discuss as to how do we do this. And we may have to give them some tips on that one from other groups that we listen to. Yeah, that's hard. It is hard because uh, because it's, it's not the grandkids. Grandkids want to interface with grandma and grandpa. By the way, what we've seen, which is kind of interesting, we have some good friends that have done this, is is the, 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 the their children, the parents, want them to babysit the grandkids. <laughs> but they don't want to, to talk about Christ, right? Well, the grandparents are like, listen, if you want us to watch the kids and the kids are in our household, they're going to they're gonna hear about Jesus. They're going to sing the songs. They're going to know them. And you know what happens, of course. They go home and the kids write to the parents, you know, and they tell them about this stuff. It's, and, you know, but if the parents want the grandparents to watch them, they kind of go, okay, well, 
that's going to happen, right? Interesting. I like that. That I like that is is sort of a, I say sort of a way around, but it's it's a way of saying, I cannot deny you know yeah. the gospel. I can't deny Christ. I can't deny what is most important, you know, in this lifetime and beyond. Well, and you know, as we read in Joshua, God says, "Be strong and courageous." We're not we're not called to be wimps. No, this is important. It is. Now, now let me ask this kind of kind of piggybacking on that a little bit. So, how does prayer fit into all this? Oh, so, man. you know, between you know between generations, because you've got some really cool stuff with that too. And and what can we do to pray in a more effective way? Yeah. By the way, I think everything by prayer. I read the book my mentor gave it to me years ago, and and I firmly believe it that we need to be we have access to the throne room of God for crying out loud. Why aren't we there petitioning hard for these children? And, and talking to him about it because he loves them. He loves them. So, so the second part of your question is, we came up with this thing because um, when I was praying, this came out of my prayers, I guess, you know, I'd ask the Lord about something. And then I'd pray about it until he kind of gave me an answer. And sometimes it wasn't a full answer. It was like, you know, you know kind of just steps that came to mind that I needed to do. And so we came up with a black, it's called the black and blue method kind of black and blue. And so what you do is you sit down with a book and you, you write the prayer request in black ink. And then, uh, and then as you pray for it, you date it. And then as you pray for it, we just put little ticks, you know, one, two, three, four, slash, da, 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 just little tick marks. And then as the Lord answers and, and you have this dialogue going on, you write the answers in blue, date them and everything else. And so you may have a couple pages worth of your, here's your black one. And then here's a bunch of, here's this conversation with Christ, right? Basically in prayer. And then all of a sudden one day, it's done. The answer's there. You don't need to pray about it anymore, Eric. It's done. You put an X. And so what we've done is we've, we've, we've kind of packaged that up. We came with a neat little book with black and blue on it. And I've said to these guys, especially the grandparents, uh, I had one, Kevin, really interesting. And, and, he, and he, I said, well, you need to be praying with your kids because he wasn't doing anything with his grandkids. And so I said, well, start with your kids and just sit down and see if they do this prayer thing with you. He goes, really? Yeah, so just try it. So he bought a bunch of books and he went to all of his kids. I think he had four or five of them or something like that. And uh, they're all, they, and, they're, and they're spouses, by the way. And they were all up for it. So he had separate books for each, each kid and his wife, right? Or her husband, you know, however it worked. And then he turned around, and he did it with his grandchildren. So we had to make, you know, we're, we got to, we actually really have to come up with smaller books that have flowers on them or whatever for the kid, right? But the kids are really into it. They're like, okay, you're praying for me? And they'll call them up and say, hey, grandma, can you pray this? And the grandma will write it down. Sure, I got it. But the idea is, is that they do that with the child. They fill up the book, and then they give the book to the child. And what they've just done, Eric, they've just taught the child how to pray. They've just given them the, the template. And by the way, the child for the rest of their life, maybe their generations, have the prayer book. Here's how grandma prayed. Here's how grandma prayed. Here's grandma's answers to prayer. Wow. Or here's dads, right? Here's dads. Anyway. Wow. Yeah, very That's sweet. Brilliant. Very sweet. Right. And and the whole idea, excuse me, I'm sorry. The whole idea is, is that um, is that you're tapping into the power source, I believe, the God who loves us, who wants these things and will make the paths straight. But we have to ask. I'm, I'm sorry. That's too strong. We want to ask. <laughs> so no, I, I think that's, I think that's an, an incredible idea because, you know, I've, 
you know, I've written things down before, but, and then prayed about it, but it's the, it's the writing the answers down Yeah, yeah. as you go, because I forget, I forget all of the wonderful things that God has done to the prayers that I have asked. Um, and so I, I like that, that you, you distinguish them right. black and blue, you keep a yeah. running tally and then you date it and it's just evidence. Well, and you know, the other thing is I tell them too, is if you're having a rough day, which we all have a rough week or whatever, we all have, well, just pick up the book and look at the blue, just look at the blue, mm. just, you know, look at what he's, look what he's said, look what he's promised. Look at these verses that come to mind. Look at, you know, whatever's written, look at that. And oh, then you will, that's you'll good. feel better, right? You'll feel better. It is because sometimes, you know, as you know, I feel like, and I know it's, I know it's not true that I feel distant from God, right? So I know, I know I haven't changed positionally with him, you know, but, but, you know, our emotions, our feelings, you know, we're under attack, all that good stuff. And so you, then you forget. Yeah. So, you do. I, 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 and so I like, oh yeah. yeah. And so that's why I like that idea. You can go back and you can see, yeah. yes, God, yeah. God's here. Even when I don't feel it, yeah. even when he doesn't seem like he's like right next to me, he hasn't gone anywhere. He hasn't gone anywhere. Maybe we have, but he has it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So let me ask, as for people listening, what, what do you think one or two things we can prayerfully consider implementing? I'm going to say broadly, I'll, I'll say either at home, in our churches, both, however you want to, you know, however they're listening to help build this family discipleship pattern. So any, any, a couple of suggestions that you would, you yeah. would have. Well, you know, and by the way, I think the first one is probably the obvious one where it's like, okay, get on your knees and just ask the Lord, what do you want me to do for you mm-hmm. with this family and my future generations? What do you want? Because this is all about him. And then maybe write it in black and then wait and see what he, see what he does. And then some of these things that we've talked about today, Eric, I put them down into prayer and say, should I do a prayer journal? Um, do you want me to meet with them and to disciple them? What do you want me to say to the parents? You know, things like that. Another thing I would say is, okay, um, what tools do I have? Remember, remember where, you know, the feeding of the 5,000, you know, what does Jesus ask? He says, well, what do you have? Well, we got a couple, a couple fish and some loaves, which wasn't going to touch it. But maybe we need to ask. You know, okay, Lord, here's what I've got. I've got this idea. I got this. I got this. Uh, I can't think of anything else, but this is what I have. I think Jesus will go, okay, <laughs> we can work with that. Or he'll bring something else, right? And in the end, it'll be his. Yeah, and that makes sense. Those are, And that's, that's very practical. Like, you know, anybody listening, um, yeah, you can just start praying today. You can start asking those questions. Yeah. You don't have to go out and... No. do all kinds of crazy stuff. Like you say, it's just, what do you have? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, I think sometimes we've got to just relax, step back and pray and then watch. And I think we'll be, well, we are, I'm blown away because he does stuff. He brings people that you would never think uh, to even go there. You know, I was on my knees recently, you know, with, with, with elements saying, Lord, I just need to get to this to more people. You know, what do you want me to do? So I started digital marketing stuff and kind of goofing around. And all of a sudden I got your text. Hey, would you mind doing a podcast? And I'm like, where did that come from, Eric? 
out of the blue. No, the Lord prompted it. And I'm like, oh, praise God. Thank you. What a, what wow. a gift. It is. And I, I like that. It's, it's the hard part in there is the waiting yeah, and the watching. And so I think we just need, and, and there, I like that, that the writing it down is like, okay, it's okay that it's been eight days or 80 days. We just keep asking and waiting to see what it, what he does. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I, I got it on the floor here. I should grab it for you. But one of my per journals for four gens, um, I use paper clips. Sounds kind of goofy, but I've got, all, I've got all these ideas and all this stuff. And so I just paper clip where they are. And then when I pray them, I can just flip the paper clip. You know what I mean? And go to that page. <laughs> it just, it just makes it a lot easier because you know, I'm sure you do too. You got, you got a bunch of things you're praying to the Lord about. I mean, it's not just one thing. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Or I'll tear apart like, or use a little bit of sticky notes or I'll tear sticky notes up and you just, yeah. Anything to bookmark it. Yeah. Just I like, love yeah, that. And just go there. Yeah. And this, I just leave the, just leave the paper clips in there. And oh, I love my, the my wife bought me some color paper clips. Whatever. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Now, just as we as we kind of wrap up, one last question. So everybody listening, uh, they've gotten some great information. Uh, they've gotten some great encouragement. Is there is there any one takeaway or action step that you would like to encourage people to do today? Just like one, like if they if they only get one thing, and there's a whole lot here. So my prayer is that they get more than one thing. Yeah. But if there's just one, what would you encourage them with? Yeah. And I would say to I'd say to the audience, please engage. This is one of those kind of tasks where it doesn't have to be pretty, but it has to be done. And the Lord has equipped you to do it. And so engage. And if you need help, if, if you need any kind of uh, encouragement, whatnot, I mean, listen to Eric's podcast, check out Forgens if you'd like, or there's a lot of other things there, but please engage. This is a critical issue that needs to be addressed. Indeed, indeed. So if you're listening, uh, definitely encourage you to do that, and then read for people who want to know more about you, more, 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 more uh, want to learn more about four gens. Where would you like them to go? Yeah, please just go to to our website. It's uh, four. It's the number four G E N S short for generations dot com. So www.fourgens.com. and we uh, got a lot of information in there. And if you'd like to chat further, we got a chat box and whatnot. And we'd love awesome. to engage. Excellent. So if you're listening, 4gens.com with the number four, we're going to put that in the show notes so you can check it out if uh, later on. So Reed, thank you so much. This has been, this has been a, just a, a fun conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it. If you found this episode helpful, please leave a review for us wherever you listen to podcasts. Doing so will help others to find us. Uh, check out the show notes for resource information. We encourage you to do that for links and other references. We'd like to hear from you so you can message us your questions or comments on Facebook, Instagram, at Entrusting the Faith. You can email us at info at entrustingthefaith.com. If you go to our website, which is www.entrustingthefaith.com, uh, you can sign up to our email list and receive free resources as well as upcoming podcast episode information. So check it out. Lastly, just remember legacies are built a day at a time. So start now.